Well, I'm excited about this series that we're in called The Walk because a lot of people that I meet would really desire to walk with the Lord, but they struggle with uh, just how to do it. And it's my prayer over the next really uh, seven more weeks through the rest of the summer that we, we really turn our face to how to walk with the Lord. And then I find a lot of circumstances come up in my life that teach me that I really need to walk with the Lord. Parenting is one of those, those moments for me. I don't know if you're a parent. If you are, you've been in that spot, you know, when you're looking at your kids going, what do I do? How do I do this? Um, uh, you know, I have a rule with my kids. It's a guideline. It's, it's a it's a rule that we have that anytime I use them as an illustration, I have to pay them five bucks because, you know, our, my kids provide some of the best stories. And so, so I, I, I had to pay, I got to pay, I, I paid Maggie 10 bucks already today. So, um, uh, because I had this moment with Maggie that was just priceless. You know, as a parent, you're wondering, is this rule right? And, 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 and I think she was, I don't know, maybe uh, six or seven, uh, something like that. But have you ever tried to reason with a seven-year-old? I mean, you're looking at them and you hear yourself, you're like, I'm not connecting. We're not, this is not working. And, uh, you know, I prayed for a redhead and I got it because I, I tell Maggie all the time that it's not the most talented or the smartest that changed the world. It's the most stubborn that changed the world. And so that redhead's got a shot at changing the world. And, um, but I remember when she was seven or so and, and we had, we have some rules at our house, like every house. And, and Maggie's always been one that said, why? Why do I have to do that? Why, Dad? Why, why that rule? And, and I remember one time, I was so frustrated. I, I got down right in her, in her, close to her face. I said, Maggie, I want to tell you why I'm, I want you to do this. She goes, why? I said, because I want your life to be miserable. <laughs> and it was funny to watch her mind work because she looked at me and she goes, no, you don't. And I go, you're right. I don't want you to be miserable. I love you. And I want you to have the greatest life. So do what I say because I love you. You know, God's done that for us. Sometimes people look at God and they go, oh, why do you have all these rules? Why all these precepts? Because God loves us. Because God knows what's best for us. And it's my prayer that we learn to walk with him. We learn to look to him. If you're going to summarize this series, it's my prayer that we learn to become a follower of Christ and an everyday disciple. I, we're to walk with the Lord every day. And I want us to learn to do that as a, as a, as a Christian, as a body, as, a, as, as individuals. And, and you know, it's when, we, when we walk with the Lord every day, we, we learn to, like last week, we, it starts with a relationship with God. We abide with the Lord. We, we have a personal relationship with God. That's where it starts. And if you don't have that relationship with the Lord, I want you to realize that's why God's put our church in your life. That's why God has planted our church right here is so that people would know the Lord that live here. And this is what I love. I've thanked the Lord already today. I love being a, a pastor of a local church in a community where we get to rub shoulders with people on a daily basis. God's put us here so that people in this area would know him. And, and I want us to be in the middle of that. But it also begins with us knowing his word. And that's where we are today. Knowing what the word of God says. Knowing that how to hear from him and how to discern what he is saying to us on a daily basis. You can live your life knowing God, what God wants you to do. 
and knowing how to live. Next week, we're going to look at how to pray, how to talk to God, how to interact with Him. Then we're going to look at accountability. How do we embrace that accountability? That helps us walk with the Lord. When we're accountable to one another, we're going to look at how we uh, grow in the fruit of the Spirit. This is, this is kind of where we're headed over the next several weeks. But this morning, it's my prayer that we really are able to understand what God's Word says. Now, in this, you'll find this practice in our church. When we have a series, we generally think, want to push one another to memorize the Word of God. So through this series, I want to challenge you to memorize Micah 6.8. Micah 6.8 is, is a beautiful passage of Scripture that Mike, the, Micah the prophet writes, He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with God. It's my prayer that you memorize that. And, and we should often, uh, learn, we should learn to memorize the Word of God. Because you'll find that when you memorize Scripture, that God will use that to strengthen you. He will use that to help you battle temptation. He will use that throughout your day, throughout your week, throughout your life. And, and you know, we're in a culture where we don't memorize very well anymore. I mean, we used to memorize phone numbers, right? Remember how, how many times you'd have to remember, you have to know your phone number? And, and now, most of us don't even know our own phone number. We just say, I'll just have to look it up. You know, I got to look up my own phone number. We need to learn to memorize again. And it's my prayer that you memorize Micah 6.8 over the next several weeks. And without apology, we want to push one another to that. Now, this morning, we're in Psalm 19. So if you have your Bibles, turn there. Psalm 19 is a psalm of David. And it's a beautiful song. It's a song. You know, Brandon already said we, we, we learned to sing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs, and we do this often. This was a psalm of David. And David understood, uh, a lot of times through the hard way, he learned the hard way that, that God has, has he, requ- he requires of some things from us. And David understood the requirements of God. He failed in some of those requirements. If you follow his life, he, you see some of his failures like all of us. But, but without apology, we need to recognize that God requires some things from us. He requires some, uh, uh, he calls us to walk with him, to, to know him, to, to, to discipline ourselves. And one of the things that is most critical in our walk with God is we learn the power and the blessing of his word, of his precepts, of his guidelines, because they're good for us. So let's look at Psalm 19. It's a beautiful song. Now, Jesus would have known this song. I don't know the tune. We don't know the tune, but Jesus would have sung this song. Jewish people from David on sang this song in worship. So stand with me. Let's read Psalm 19. We're going to read the entire psalm. And you're going to recognize part of it because we just sang it. It says this, verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out throughout all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent 
for the son, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them. There is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much more, much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgressions. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, what a beautiful song. What, what incredible truth that this is proclaiming. Now, first point, if you're following along in your notes, point number one is this. God has made himself known to us. Isn't that amazing? That God would show us who he is and what he's like. He had no obligation to to show us who he is. But but God has been faithful to make himself known to us. Look at verse 1. He says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. And I can remember being on a ski lift, going up on a ski lift, going, oh my goodness, look at how, look at the handiwork of God. Look at the world that God has made so beautiful. I can, I, I, I've had moments where I've stood at the ocean. The ocean terrifies me. Oh my goodness, I mean, the first time we went scuba diving, scared me to death. My wife is braver than I am. I'm scared to death in the ocean. We jump out of the boat and I'm holding on to this, this buoy and I'm in a current in the middle of the ocean. It flipped me out. I mean, I'm panicking and Robin's, I'm feeling like such a pansy because my wife's loving it and I'm scared. But I, I can remember looking at the ocean going, wow, this is so powerful. The handiwork of God, the heavens declare the glory of God. If you looked up in a, in a, in a clear sky, I, I remember my first church being in the country Thomas, Oklahoma, and I remember driving home, uh, driving back to Weatherford from Thomas, and I just stopped in the middle of Thomas and Weatherford, and, I, and it was a clear night, not a cloud, cloud in the sky, and the moon was out, and, and I remember getting out of my car and standing there for like 20 minutes going, oh my goodness, have you ever been in the country and looked in the sky? Oh my goodness. It's so amazing, and the stars declare the handiwork of God. Verse 2, day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. And I've been in that moment like, wow, God, who can understand how all these things were put in place? There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth. 
and their words to the end of the world. This is so cool. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber. You know, have you ever seen the sunrise? I mean, I remember tw- five years ago, we're, uh, we had our 20th anniversary trip. We go, to, we go to Hawaii, and we get up like 2 a.m. to go on top of that volcano on Maui. And, and we, we see the sunrise on, over, over the ocean. And oh my goodness, just, you could just see it just boom, just comes up out of the, off the horizon like it's coming up out of the ocean. And, he, and he's, David writes, the sun comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber. I, I remember the, that I had one of those moments. Like when I, when I was getting married to Robin on, on August 13th, 1994, that was a day I'll never forget. We, we took our pictures before the wedding and, uh, and, and we didn't follow that tradition. We wanted to get out of there. And so we didn't want to take pictures. And, and there was a moment that we got to have. And Robin goes into this room at Northwest Baptist Church and, and they set her all up and her dress was just looking beautiful and she's just standing there in the middle of the room. And they came to me and said, she's ready for you. And I remember, oh my goodness, walk, the, the, just what I felt walking into that room. The first time I, I would have gotten, gotten to see her in her dress. And they opened the door and I walk in and there she is. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I cannot believe she's going to marry me. I just remember walking in just speechless. Like, oh, wow, let's get this thing over with, is what I thought to myself. Not, not the marriage, the wedding ceremony. <laughs> Let me clarify that. Robin's not in the room right now. Let's make sure. I want to have a 26th anniversary. Yeah. But... The sun comes out like a bridegroom leaving its chamber. Like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the ends of the, end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them and there is nothing hidden from its heat. I wonder if Paul had this in mind when he wrote Romans 1.20. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so that men, they are without excuse. Romans 1.20 says that. And see, it's an interesting is that creation speaks to the glory of God. And we see this, that, that God has made himself known to us in general ways. In general ways, God has made himself known to us. Now, in theology, we call that general revelation. That we can look at the world and we can look at creation and it points to the fact that there's a God that made all this. And all of us can see that. I have an atheist friend that, that uh, I hang out with sometimes. He's one of our vendors and he comes by the church and we, we talk when he comes. And I went up to him a couple weeks ago and said, hey man, God, I've been praying for you. He goes, oh, what are you praying for? I go, I'm praying that God speaks to you. He goes, well, I guess it's not working because I hadn't heard anything. And he goes, I go, well, you know, so we start just hanging out for a little bit. And he tells me, he goes, hey, hey, did I tell you uh, right after this? He goes, did I tell you my, my girlfriend's pregnant? We're having a baby 
It's like, oh, wow, it's awesome, man. He goes, oh, my goodness. We went to the hospital the other day. We went to the doctor the other day. And my, my son is about the size of an orange. And he's got arms and he's moving around. Oh, my goodness, this is amazing. He goes, I saw his little fingers and I saw his little face. And oh, my goodness, it's going to be amazing. And I go, oh, man, I'm so excited for you. I go, hey, can I propose something to you? I go, maybe God is speaking to you through the birth of your son. And he's like, oh, no, 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 that's just, that's just science. That's just science. That's not God. And that, that's just one of those moments that helped me realize that, that most people that don't believe in God or don't look to the Lord, they don't believe in him because of a lack of evidence. They disbelieve in God because they just want to go their own way. But the reality is creation speaks of that God is there. General revelation is a reality. And when I look at that, like Genesis, like, like Romans 1.20, that general revelation is clearly helps mankind live life without, without excuse. We, we, we don't have an excuse. When we stand before God one day, my, my atheist friend won't be able to say, well, God, you didn't speak to me. No, God has been speaking. But, but you know what else? General revelation is helpful to see that there's a God, but general revelation is lacking when it comes to the specifics of knowing Jesus. We need general revelation, but we also need special revelation. And that's why God has made himself known in specific ways. There, there are specific things that God made himself known to us. He, he revealed himself, and one of the ways he has revealed himself is through his word. And this is why it's important that we know his word and know what his word says. God has made himself known to us in specific ways. And verse 7 says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul, that God has given us his laws, his guidelines. And this is why I pray we, we recognize that when we encounter the, the guidelines of God, it's not meant for our, our detriment. It's not meant for our, to kill all of our joy or to rob us of having any fun. No, what does the law of God do? It revives your soul. I mean, the, the law of the Lord revives you, strengthens you. Point number two is this. God's word, laws, and precepts are given to us for our understanding, our protection, and our guidance. Now think about this. God has given us guidelines. God has given us rules to follow to protect us. And, and it's like that moment with Maggie when I said, look, I, I don't want to rob her joy. I don't want her life to be miserable. I want her to, I want her to grow up in, a, in the best way possible. She's my daughter. I love her. God loves us. God knows us. He wants us to have the best possible experience on this planet and life with him in eternity. So he's warned us. He's given us guidelines to follow. He protects us. He gives us understanding. What does it say? Verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. 
that it is certain, it is sure. You can, you can trust what God has said in his word. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart, that if you follow God's guidelines in your life, your heart will rejoice. It's the best path for your, your life. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes that when we follow the commands of God, it, is the, it will give light to direction to your eyes. I mean, we, you don't have to grasp in the dark. I mean, have you ever done that? Have you ever been in the dark? And, and you're like, oh man, I don't know where, I need a light. You, that's not, when you follow the commands of the Lord, it's, you're in the light. It's good. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. We looked at this through, through the study of Ecclesiastes, to fear the Lord. What does that mean? It means to honor the Lord. It means to say, God, we're going to give worth to you. We're going to honor you. And it's not like I'm afraid of God, though we, he's God and we're not. And, and it's foolish to look at, at, in the, at, at all the things we see and go, there is no God. The fool says in his heart, there's no God. But, but I'll tell you, the fear of the Lord, the honor of the Lord, it's clean. It endures forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. It's right to follow the rules of the Lord. More to be desired, verse 10. We are to desire the, the words of God more than, than gold, even much fine gold. We're to desire God's word more than our money, more than our, our security, because it's more valuable than that. It's sweeter also than honey, the drippings of the honeycomb. And then the point is that God is saying, look, I've given you my word for a reason. Now, this is why we need to know it. And I want to challenge us. Like, like the boundary lines, another good verse to memorize, Psalm 16, 5 and 6. It says, you have assigned, Lord, you have assigned my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. And as I've lived my life, as we've raised our kids, as we pastor here, as we serve here, it's my prayer that we recognize, God, your boundaries that you set are for our good, not our detriment. And I pray we never forget that. But this is, this is a conviction that I have. We don't study the word like we should. I pray that you read it. Read the word. I mean, several years ago, one of my professors spoke at Super Summer, which is a camp that our, our leadership students go to. And, and he asked the crowd, he goes, how many of you have read Harry Potter? And all over the crowd, hands were, oh, one girl said, I read Harry Potter the whole series in like a weekend, like all the books in a weekend. And we're like, wow, that's a lot of reading. And then he said, how many of you have read the Bible front to back? And very few hands went up. And he looked at those leadership kids and said, what? You're giving your life to Jesus and you've never read his word? This is not a, a stab to make us feel guilty today. But look, we, it's, it's a push to let's read the word. Let's read it. Let's study it. Let's memorize it. 
Let's not take this just as a, oh, well, uh, yeah, we memorize a verse sometime. No, don't see it as a requirement from our church, but as a call from God to know him, to study what he said, to read his word. I, like one of the ways that I read through the Bible is I have a, a one-year plan. I, I face the temptation like you. I mean, my, uh, you know, you may say, oh, I'm going to do that on my phone. That's good, but I, I can't do that on my phone. Because what I find when I pick up my phone, I start going, oh, uh, Twitter, huh? And then uh, what about, oh, you know, I don't do Snapchat, but uh, Marco Polo, that's Snapchat for old people, I think. And, and so, you know, I, I find myself, oh, there's a noose. What, what was that story? I, I, I get distracted. And, and can, can I challenge us? Can, can we just commit to the Lord? Lord, we're going to turn our, our face to your word every day. So I, I do a one-year Bible reading. I try to, I can't do it on my phone. I just do it physically, old school. But, but I want to challenge you, turn your face to the Word. It's okay to read it on your phone. Just discipline yourself. Read the Word, study it. Read it, study it, memorize it. And my prayer is, point number three, is this, that we develop a daily time with God. Now let's spend time with God every day. What does he say? Verse 11 he talks about the joy of the word. And he says, moreover, by them, by your word, your servant is warned. God, is, God warns you through the reading of his word. And I'll tell you, we need to be warned at times. There are things God requires of us for our joy, for our blessing. There are warnings we need to hear. I guarantee you, if you spend time in the word of God, you'll be warned about uh, sin in your life. You, you'll build better marriages. You'll be better parents. You'll be better husbands, better wives, better grandparents, better, better kids, better students, better workers. Why? Because God warns us in his word. Your servant is warned. In keeping them, there's great reward. In keeping the commands of God, there's great reward for us. You know what that means? That there are going to be people that stand before the Lord that are going to know Jesus, but they're not going to have the rewards. And they're going to look back and go, oh, Lord, I wish I would have had those rewards. So the joy of being a church is we push one another to, to be pleasing to the Lord. Who can discern his errors, David sings. Who can discern his errors? David had errors. Declare me innocent of hidden faults. David knew there were hidden faults in his life. And Lord, I want to be innocent from that. Verse 13, keep back your servant also from presumptuous or willful sins. Let not willful sins have dominion over me, he says. Because sometimes we let sin get dominion. It rules over us. And he says, then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. You know, even after we come to know Jesus, we have a tendency to still go our own way. And God says, look, I've got a better experience for you. I've got better plans for you. But he does require that we spend time with him and know his word, know what he says. And then it's this call, this prayer that we sang. Let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart, be pleasing to you, my Lord, my rock. Oh, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You see, when you follow Jesus, when you put his words into practice, you are standing on a rock. 
And Jesus, in the end of the Sermon on the Mount, says that, that if you hear these words of mine and you put them into practice, you're like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains came, the winds blew, and it beat against that house, and it did not fall. Because let me tell you something, storms come in life. Storms come, challenges come in life, and it's going to beat against your house. But I'll tell you, when you are standing on the word of God, you are standing on the rock. But if you hear these words of mine and you do not put them into practice, Jesus said, you're like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains came, the winds blew. It beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. And I've been with people that have said, why did God fail me? And they've been in this moment of rebellion and we can look back and say, God's been warning you all along the way. And folks, let me tell you something. We, we need to spend time with the Lord. So can I offer four quick things of, how, of what I want to challenge you to do? Number one is spend time with the Lord. This time is more than a habit. This time that I want to challenge you to spend with God, it's more than a habit. It's a one-on-one meeting with God. Can I challenge you Give this a shot this week that every morning, it takes, I think I hear it takes 28 days. I don't know who came up with this. Someone smarter than me. 28 days to start a habit. It's good to have a habit in the word of God. What if you took the next 28 days to form a habit in your life, but recognize this is more than a habit. This is a one-on-one meeting with the God who spoke everything into existence. It's not just a habit. Like, biting your fingernails. It's a, it's a time with God. Don't miss that. You come to know God through fellowship with him, spend time with him. And as you do, second thing, as you spend time with God, expect God to provide direction and guidance for your daily decisions. I want to challenge you over this week, get, get alone with the Lord and then expect God to use his word and give you guidance in your decisions, guidance in your, in your everyday life, because that's what he does. He will, he will warn you. He will guide you. And, and I find that in my parenting, in my life, in pastoring, in, in living. I need the guidance of the Lord. But as you interact with God, can I challenge you with this? Third thing is that you listen actively and boldly bring your needs to the Lord. Don't listen passively. Listen actively. You know what I mean by active listening? I mean, if you're married, you've, you've experienced this. I've, I've had passive listening with my wife before, and that didn't work out real well. It's like, ah, you're not listening to me. Oh, what? Huh? Huh? Yeah, what? I told you this before. Active listening means, Lord, I'm paying attention. God, I'm looking to you. But then as you actively listen to the Lord, we're going to look at prayer next week, but, but we, sh- we can boldly go to the Lord with our requests. Isn't that amazing? That the, the one who spoke this world into existence gives you access to him. Oh my goodness, that blows my mind. Fourth thing, trust his voice and obey his commands. God, we want to come to you saying, you can change my mind. 
You change my, my direction. You shape my decisions. We need God's word. We need his word. And so let's learn to spend time with the Lord. Be in his word. Read it. Study it. Memorize it. Know it. Let's do this on a daily basis. It's like John 8, 31 and 32. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free, Jesus says. I would argue that many believers are struggling, are are spinning their wheels in their life. And I've found that I've sat with people that are like, I don't know what's going on. And we can trace it back to ignoring God's word and what he said. Look, God loves you. And our heavenly father looks at us. And there are times that we go, God, why? Why do I have to follow you? Why do I have to do that? Why do I have to do that? And God doesn't look down and say, because I want you to be miserable. No. He looks down at us and says, because I love you. And I'm protecting you. I'm guiding you. I'm leading you. And there is no greater joy or adventure or journey that you ever want to experience than walking with the Lord. So let's learn to walk with him. Let's learn to spend time with him. So here's our invitation today. It's gonna be a little weird. If you don't know Jesus today, I wanna ask that you, you come to me after the service. I'm gonna, I, 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 I so want you to know Christ. That's the first step. But today our invitation is really for for our believers. So guys, come out. Brandon, I want you to do the words of my mouth. Would you do that song? We're going to sing Psalm 19, the end of it. And as we do, I want you to stand. Would you stand right where you are right now? And I'm going to ask you to bow your head. And I'm, I'm not even going to be looking around at this response time. I'm going to bow my head in just a second, and I'm going to close my eyes. Because my prayer is, is that the one that sees this response is not me, but the Lord. Because I believe he's in this room, speaking and leading, directing. But here's my prayer for you. Here's my challenge to you. Here's the challenge for all of us. That we would commit this week. Now, I'm going I'm to make it a little harder. That 28-day habit, it's what? July, July 7th today. For the next 28 days, that puts you into August. That you would, and, and here, I'm not, I'm not bowing my head yet. My, my challenge to you is if you, that you would commit to spend the next 28 days meeting with God every day. 
before your phone, before your news, before your emails, text messages, Snapchat, Twitter, Marco Polo, whatever you do on your phone. 